Well, on this Memorial Day weekend, we know that um, we're probably a little lighter in numbers, and it was a reminder that some people take Memorial Day weekend to take a three-day weekend to go on vacation, or maybe some folks go to the race today, and that's fine. But I wanted to encourage you, if you are around town this summer, to be here and worship, because we are better when we are gathered together as the body of Christ on Sunday morning in worship. We're better when we're together. And I also want to let you know there's some really cool things happening this summer um, that you were invited um, to be a part of. There's a couple of Bible studies, and these are listed on the back of your bulletin. I know we had announcements this morning, but I wanted to let you know some of the highlights of cool things this summer. One is the Vision of Glory study, which is for both men and women, and Graham Lott's study. That's going to be on, on Thursdays. Then there's a women's summer study that's on Wednesday's night. That's through Beth Moore. That's a, that's a neat thing. There's Habitat for Humanity uh, builds. Those are um, last week of May and then around the last week of June. We could use your help on that. Vacation Bible School is coming up in July. You're going to hear more about that next Sunday, and there'll be sign-ups for that. Um, that's always a blast. It's a great place to get involved or to bring your kids or to bring neighbors as well. So VBS. Quentin prayed for our high school students going down to Mexico Caravan in June and then to Shepherd Community Center in July. We have Great Escape Middle School trip in July. So there's some really neat things happening this summer. As well here in worship, three weeks from today, and I would mentioned this one other time, I think, um, Tim Street is going to be our guest preacher. He's the associate director at Shepherd Community Center. He's known as one of the real experts in the city of Indianapolis on poverty and on life in the city. He's gonna be our guest preacher three Sundays from now. Then that will lead up to our high school students, as I said, going down to Shepherd in July. And then we, um, our, our session and deacons are all excited about this. We've talked about it. We're going down as a church to worship together at Shepherd Community Center on Sunday, July 21st. Uh, and you may say, well, I don't know about driving all the way downtown. I don't know where that is. We're going to have a bus that's going to be available to help people get there. It's part of our deacons that are going to be helping to organize that. Um, they're going to have some of the deacons of fun stuff. They're going to have food, fellowship, fun. We're going to be joining together in worship with another church. That's on Sunday, July 21st. So you'll be hearing more about that. But I want to encourage you, carpool with other people, go to it, participate in it. It's going to teach us more um, as a church of what life likes in the city and how we can worship together and partner with them. So that'll be really cool. That's coming up in July as well. Well, last week and today, we're entering into the, um, the book of Acts. And Acts is a great book. Don preached about that last week. And Luke, <clears throat> Luke is the author of Acts. Um, and Acts, and I've mentioned this before, as we were looking back at the Gospel of Luke, Acts is the sequel to the Gospel of Luke. Now, Luke was a physician he traveled with Paul, so when he's writing in the book of Acts, he's writing firsthand accounts, and he tells how the early church worked. He talks about the courage of the earliest leaders, and he has great stories um, throughout the book of Acts, which we're going to be looking at. Last week, Don Patterson talked about Acts chapter 1 and chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit came on the earliest disciples, and he talked about um, we can go with the Holy Spirit or without the Holy Spirit, and he said, with me. You're way up here. With me, we're way up here with the Holy Spirit. Without me, without the Holy Spirit, we're way down here. We can only do so much in our own power. But with the Holy Spirit, we can do incredible things. And as we're looking at Peter today, uh, Peter giving this great speech on the day of Pentecost, um, less than two months after Jesus was died and resurrected. 
Peter is speaking with the power of the Holy Spirit. What was Peter um, without the Holy Spirit? He was down here. He was a fisherman from Galilee, which was kind of a backwater place. With the Holy Spirit, with Jesus calling him out, he's preaching to thousands of people, and he becomes the leader, the, the incredible leader of the new church. And so in the same way, God can call us to do great things when he empowers us with the Holy Spirit. So let's read today about what Peter says to those um, earliest Jewish visitors in Jerusalem and to early Christians. It's in Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 22 and going down to 41. Acts chapter 2, verses 22 through 41. kind of a long passage, and it's the second part of Peter's speech. Hear God's word. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will live in hope, because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Brothers, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on the throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, and he has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all those who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Let's pray. Most loving God, we ask that you help us to understand your word that we have just read. God, that we may live it out and that we may apply it in our lives, even today and this week. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.
Well, as we've been doing a lot of the weeks in the past, we have some notes printed in your bulletin as well. If you'd like to look at those, you can. If not, that's okay. You don't have to. But kind of breaking down this passage into some key parts um, that Peter used in his speech that's recorded here by Luke. First of all, in verses 22 through 24, we see some of the facts of Jesus' life that Peter's telling to the people gathered there. And then verses 25 through 36, we get to kind of dig in with David. He talks a lot about David there and what David said about Jesus. Even ahead of time, he calls David a prophet. That Jesus is Lord. Jesus is one of David's descendants. That we are all witnesses to this fact. And that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God the Father. And then he talks about a response. That people are cut to the heart. And they ask, what shall we do? And Peter says, repent and be baptized. Excuse me. We see that Peter is pleading with his heart and with the Holy Spirit. And then we see people respond. 3,000 were added to the Christian faith that day. So the facts are that Jesus is God and the feeling is in our heart. And we want to know what shall we do now um, with the facts before us? What will we do with the feelings that we have? What do the early um, believers do with their feelings? And then a question for us, what shall we do? So that's, that's for us. Well, let's break down again back in those verses and take a look at, um, <clears throat> with more detail, what Peter did there. In those first couple of verses, Peter lays out the facts about Jesus. And as Judy said a minute ago, Jesus did miracles, signs, and wonders. And then Peter is beginning to tell the people that have gathered there in Jerusalem, many of them strangers, um, from other places, there are Jewish travelers that are coming there for the day of the Pentecost celebration. He's telling them about how Jesus uh, lived and how he died, that it was God's set purpose for him to come and to live and to die, to be raised from the dead and to defeat death. Um, Again, as Judy said to the kids, which makes him unique. Then Peter digs in with David and he uses um, David as telling an example. He says, Jesus is holy, foreseen by David, who the pilgrims in Jerusalem would know. They would know about David, and they would know the two different psalms um, that Peter is referring to in this passage. First, he says, Peter says that David was a prophet, not just a king, um, as we know about kings, but the coming Messiah that the disciples have now seen. And then he says in verse 30, He said that he would be the one who would sit on the throne, but he would be a different kind of king. He would be an eternal king, not a king like David, but a king for all time and one of David's descendants. In verse 31, David speaks of the resurrection that death couldn't hold him down. And in verse 32, uh, Peter says, we are all witnesses of this fact. We talked about this, and Judy made reference to this too, that at that time there were a lot of people Um, Paul says later there were hundreds of people that actually saw at different times over the course of about seven weeks that they saw Jesus alive um, after he was resurrected. That many people said that, and there were probably many people, probably many people in the crowd um, that that, uh, Peter was speaking to that day who could have refuted Peter if they had wanted to in what he was saying. But we don't have any record that they did. Now, um, 
Peter uses the phrase, we are all witnesses. And I don't know when I was reading this, I go, that sounds really familiar, okay? Because if you watch NBA basketball, which I do, uh, I think it's Nike, has taken on that phrase, we are all witnesses. And they use it to refer to LeBron James, okay? But today, we are not talking about that we are all witnesses of the greatness of LeBron James or of the greatness of anybody else except the person of Jesus that Peter is telling us and pointing us to how great, and he's pointing these early disciples and the Jews that are gathered there in Jerusalem to the greatness of Jesus. He says in verses 34 and 35 that he's sitting at the right hand of God the Father. That means he has ascended to heaven. So as we look at the things that Peter talks about in this wonderful speech, both last week and this week, he says Jesus is Lord, he's our master, he's the Christ meaning the Messiah. He's the chosen one for the people. He's the one who can save them from sins and that they are to repent and to be baptized. Well, as I think about Jesus, I, th I think about, you know, I've studied a lot of Jesus through seminary and through growing up in a church myself, and I know a lot. And yet, I felt like I was looking at Jesus in a new light just nine days ago because I got to go on a field trip. And, uh, you know, for a lot of kids here, don't you love kids you like going on field trips? Um, you get to get out of school, go somewhere different, see something new. Well, I got to go on a field trip just nine days ago. It was with seven other people here from church. Um, we left around 1045 in the morning. We got back around 3.30 or so in the afternoon. We went to visit an, uh, an Islamic mosque. Now, we didn't have to go far. It was in Fishers. And it was, a, uh, it was an old building when we drove up to the place. Um, there were eight of us that went. Uh, one of the people that went with us was kind of like our guide. He works with an organization called Indie Internationals. That's a ministry that reaches out to international students who live here in Indianapolis, and they also reach out um, to Muslims. So we had an invitation to go do Friday prayers at a mosque. So we went there, and we went, and it was a, it was a small building, uh, there was no big sign out by the street. It was on a fairly busy street um, in Fishers. <clears throat> there was no prayer tower. And uh, there was just a small sign on the door that let you know um, that it was a mosque. Now, uh, for a couple of reasons, we couldn't go in the front door. We had to go around and go in the side door. But our hosts there were very hospitable. They were very kind. Uh, they fed us a lunch. And then we learned about Islam. And then we went to Friday prayers with them, and we observed that from the back. And I know one of the things we talked about as we were afterwards, as we were debriefing, we were all praying to Jesus and, and praying to God while they were doing their own prayers. We were praying silently. But I learned a lot that day about some of the similarities there are in Islam and Christianity. I learned that um, Muhammad took some of the things that he learned um, from some of the prophets from both the Old Testament, and then he talked about uh, Mary and Jesus in the Quran. But I, I learned, most importantly, that there are great differences between Islam and Christianity. And here are two of the biggest differences that I learned that day and was reminded of that I had learned in the past. That there are great differences in the person of Jesus and in the area of salvation. So I wanted to compare some of those for you today because it relates to our passage here in Acts chapter 2. Here's who Jesus is in Christianity, and here's who Jesus is in Islam. In Christianity, Jesus is the Son of God 
who died on the cross, who is resurrected, who ascended to heaven. We believe that Jesus is God. In no way is he lower than God. He is God. We know God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In Islam, Jesus is not a God. He is a prophet in a line of prophets. In Christianity, Jesus is Savior. He saves us from our sins. He went to the cross. And we are saved by God's grace alone and through faith alone. That's how we are saved. It's by God's grace alone and by the faith that he gives us and allows us then to believe in him. We don't have to do anything to earn our way to heaven. In Islam, Jesus is not a savior, but he is a prophet in a line of prophets. That day when we were there, they talked a lot, very openly, about rewards. The word rewards was used again and again. That you can earn rewards in Islam um, from God by your deeds and by your belief and by following many of the rituals and rules that Muhammad laid out in the Quran. There was a lot of rituals and a lot of rules. We believe in Christianity that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God. David and Peter both refer to this. Peter refers to this in Acts chapter 2, and he refers to David saying that in his things. Again, Jesus is God. In Islam, he is not sitting at uh, God's right hand. They would say that Allah is God and Muhammad is his prophet, and that Muhammad is the greatest in a long line of prophets. Jesus was a prophet, but Muhammad is the greatest prophet. In Christianity, we have security of salvation through the work of the Holy Spirit. And then after we are saved by grace, our lives evidence who Jesus is. Our lives evidence that God is in us through the work of the Holy Spirit as we bear fruit, as we serve others, as we pray, as we read scripture, as we live our lives for Christ. We have security of salvation. God promises that in the New Testament. As we talked to some of the Muslim leaders that day and as we debriefed afterward, we understood that there's no security of salvation in Islam. That the Muslims don't know if they have done enough good deeds to earn rewards and it is up to God's mercy alone um, to allow them to heaven, but it's based on a, a series of rewards and beliefs which is still somewhat mysterious um, even to them. In the Bible, Jesus says, done. It is finished. But in the Quran, Muhammad says, do, a continual list of things to do and that you have to keep doing. And in the sermon in that Friday prayer service, the imam or the teacher continued to list things that good Muslims needed to do. Um, it was based on rewards, and they used that word again and again. So what did this remind me of, and what's it remind us of as we look to Acts chapter 2? We know from what Peter says here, from what we read in the Gospels and in the New Testament, Jesus is the Son of God. He died on the cross. He was resurrected. He ascended to heaven. He is truly God. He is our Savior through grace alone and faith alone. He is worthy of worship. He is not just a prophet. He sits at the Father's right hand in heaven now. And that these facts are the truth to show Jesus to be who he says he is. So when we hear that kind of truth, not just facts, but truth, and when those early Jews heard that as they were traveling to Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost and they heard that, they heard that this Holy Spirit was going on and they heard Peter speak, what was their, their response? It says in verses 37 through 41 that people are cut to the heart. What does it mean that they were cut to the heart? They're deeply moved by Peter's speech. I believe they were convicted by the Holy Spirit to want to respond to the truth 
that they had heard, and they asked the question, what shall we do? Peter says, repent and be baptized. And people responded, and 3,000 new Christians were added that day. To repent means to turn away from the things we've been doing, because we're convicted by God to change, and to turn towards God and what he wants for us to do. To be baptized means to believe Jesus with your whole heart. As Judy said, it's an outward sign of an inward belief that we have. So we want to choose faith. There's many of you, like me, that do um, one-to-one discipleship. And one of the phrases that you read again and again in the Destin books in one-to-one discipleship says this, faith is choosing to live as though the Bible is true regardless of circumstances, emotions, or cultural trends. Faith is choosing to live as though the Bible is true. We believe it to be true. In faith, we live as if it is true because we believe that. So we too can be cut to the heart and convicted by the Holy Spirit that we need to live differently. We need to live as if the Bible is true, to choose and to believe in him. And when we say cut to the heart, as I was thinking about that this week, it's a reminder that we're called as Christians and here at CPC to have hearts for Christ alone. Um, And I was looking back to one of the brochures we used back this winter, uh, which these are available in the office if you want sometime about having a heart for Christ alone, what's that mean? Here's two phrases, what that means. It means going from, I'm the leader of my own life, to I realize that I must let Jesus be the leader of my life. Having a heart for Christ alone means also, Jesus is leader of the, from, Jesus is leader of some aspects of my life, to I'm working to be, Jesus is the leader of all aspects of my life, an act of surrender. So that act of surrender, doesn't that take, you know, an act of the heart? Um, it takes feeling, it takes emotion, it takes passion. So we have the facts that Peter has laid out, that he laid out to those early Jews, those early Christians. But we have also the feeling, what happens in our heart. Well, I know when I was thinking about what happens in our hearts, I need to come into worship with you on these Sundays to experience Jesus and experience God in my heart, and I want you to experience that as well. You know, as we sing songs, as we pray together, as we fellowship together out in the gathering space over a cup of coffee or a lemonade, as we look to each other, we experience um, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit together. When we read words in the scripture that inspire us, we are moved in the heart. Just this week, I was reading in Revelations chapter 4, These are part of the words of a song that we sung last Sunday as well called the Revelation Song. It says this in Revelation chapter 4. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things. And by your will they were created and have their being. You know, when we sing words like that or when we read words like that, it inspires my heart to have more of a heart for Christ alone, where I have the desire to want to follow him in the facts that I do know. What's that look like for me? I, I find it easier as I'm inspired by God to have a heart for Christ alone. That may be a better listener when someone comes to me and I need to be a better listener. It may mean being a better servant leader in my family. It means being a more caring person for people that cross my path. And I start to see people, hopefully, 
the way that Jesus does, then my heart can be cut open to see people and see things the way that Jesus does. And then when I start to turn away from those things, when I get more selfish or when I view people for how they can serve me, then I'm hopefully more quick to realize that I'm on the wrong path and to repent from whatever that is and to turn back towards God, to again ask for God to change my heart that I can have more of a heart for Christ alone and to live in the truth that he gives us here in Acts chapter 2. So what do we do with all that? There's a great book that I know some of you have studied. I've talked about this, talked about this with Jim Capps this year. A book called Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. And in it, he has a great phrase. He says, watch to see where God is working and join him. Watch to see where God is working and join him there where he's working. So, what shall we do with the facts? The facts that Jesus is truly God and that Peter lays out to us. What shall we do with our feelings when we are cut to the heart by knowing who Jesus is? And we believe it in our head and we need to feel it and experience it in our heart so that we can live it. And the question is that the people ask to Peter is what shall we do? We can have a heart for Christ alone. We can ask a question that Don Patterson asked last week that says, how can my life reflect more of God and less of me? We need to ask that of ourselves. And then we need to see where God is working. Look where God is working around in your life, in your neighborhood or your family or your career or someone that's in need of help around you. See where God is working and join him there as you follow him with a heart for Christ alone. Let's pray together. Most loving God, help us to, um, to just follow you more closely this week. God, as we realize um, who you are, as we read this passage out of Acts chapter 2, God, as Christians, it's good to be reminded, even by this speech that Peter makes, that you truly are the Son of God. And so, God, as we realize that and as we've gathered together in prayer and in worship, help us to have more of you um, and less of me. Help, help us to turn our hearts away from selfish things to things which are of you, even today and even this week. And help us to have hearts for Christ alone, that we can join you where you are working and where we see you around in the world this week. Help us to do all those things in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand for the benediction.